You're listening to Embolden Adventures. I'm Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, listeners and adventurers. Welcome to another episode of the Embolden Adventures podcast show. Embolden Adventures, be emboldened. Embolden Adventures is meant to inspire you to travel, to get out there, to explore, to learn. Let Embolden Adventures encourage you to take those steps to experience the world. Follow along on the adventure. Visit the website at emboldenadventures.com. Sign up for email updates on new content and ideas. Follow Embolden Adventures on Facebook and social media. And subscribe to the Embolden Adventures podcast show on the podcast page of the Embolden Adventures website. Please rate the podcast and tell us what you think. I am speaking to you. As you know, this is uh, an ongoing video series where I am in Iquitos, Peru, well, in the middle of the Amazon jungle, close to Iquitos, but not quite Iquitos. And I'm participating in seven ayahuasca ceremonies with this retreat center. I am part of an international group from around the world, obviously international, and there's 23 of us that have convened here in Peru to be part of this two-week retreat. We've come for all reasons, all different sort of reasons, individual reasons, and also reasons that we want to give forward to the world and everything else in between. And so as you know, I'm coming here more for curiosity. And I felt there was a series of coincidences that have led me to Iquitos, to the middle of the rainforest, in this five-week epic adventure where I started out in Morocco for 10 days and literally continued on through New York when I landed onward to Peru for two weeks here in the rainforest and then onward to uh, southern Peru and Bolivia for our very own ancient alien tour. And so I just finished last night ceremony three, ayahuasca ceremony three. So the ceremony is how they're going. It's uh, the first one was an introduction of sorts, uh, kind of a gauge, a um, uh, kind of a, uh, an assessment of kind of who we are, what, what we're trying to do, what's the right dosage, how we're going to be affected by this medicine. It's not a drug, it's a medicine. And the last two days have been a cleansing and purging portion of these seven ceremonies. And in addition to the ceremonies of cleansing and purging, um, there's been um, ceremonies or, or actions we're taking with the maestros just in the present day, in the waking, you know, hours, where we're um, getting massages and taking um, plant remedies as drinks prescribed to us by the maestros and the maestros of the Shipibo tribe in collection and concert of this cleansing that we're partaking in. And so that's, that's now sort of complete, apparently. Because now ceremony four, which will begin in about, um, it starts at eight o'clock and it's about 3.30 now. 
So ceremony four, five, and six um, are the realignment ceremonies. So once we've been assessed and cleaned out thoroughly with, you know, energetic uh, feelings, you know, the traumas, uh, physical ailments, uh, you know, the experiences we've had in our waking lives here in the material world stored in our bodies and, and repressed as traumas and, you know, psychological issues and um, potential damage and, you know, trying to really get used to what this ayahuasca is all about. You know, that's now since done and we, we've set the stage now for a realignment or uh, a realignment, you know, with the one, with the universe, with this motion, this one true consciousness. But that's not to say there won't be more kind of cleansing that goes on and some potential scary issues that we'll face under ayahuasca's um, teachings. Uh, this, um, you know, it's interesting because as we're a group of 23, I think the facilitator is doing an excellent job with the blueprint, the schedule of this retreat center. It's perfect in terms of what exactly is scheduled and how much time there is or not, or not time really for us to reflect. And I know I say we're not time really, the first two days were really kind of jam packed, like rarely regimented, like this, 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 this. We didn't really have enough time. And I think that's maybe purposeful too, cause you know, you wanna have like get cold feet, second thoughts, like the more you kind of did and kept your mind busy and you know, bonded, the more, you know, quickly you realize you're in the Maloka for the ceremony uh, at eight, at eight o'clock in the evening. And you know, the pre-yoga ceremonies leading up to right just before the ceremony itself really are helpful and well-designed, I think, always in hindsight. While we're doing them, I'm like, eh, you know, this hurts, but you know, it's not really the yoga I'm used to, you know, but in hindsight, it's like, wow, thank God we did those poses today because this really came in handy during the ceremony. So yeah, we have, uh, we had the vomitivo, which helped to, in a way, help us bond and get over our insecurities of, of purging and, and kind of the grossness of this ayahuasca experience and, and amongst strangers, you know, now that's just second nature. It's really not an issue at all. Um, but it was one of the many kind of beginning things we did in this regimented schedule early on that helped us to get used to one another and really start to bond and, and appreciate each other. And, and now I'm seeing just, just today in itself at lunch, you know, during the plant remedies before breakfast, um, you know, we're really there for one another, you know, who's having a really hard time, who had some trauma that they had to relive the night before, you know, who's struggling with answers and, you know, who has more questions, you know, who saw who in a ceremony and why does that ma matter? Um, and, you know, one of, the, one of the many questions I've been throwing out there to the universe, to Mama Hayawaska, is, you know, why are we randomly here? Why, why are the 25 random, 23 random people that are all kind of convened here? What, what gives? Why, why all us? Why now? Why together? Um, I don't know the answer, but it seems as if um, some of us are helping one another in a more profound way that we re even realize. And, you know, uh, just a week ago, I never met these people in my life. <laughs> so that's really inf really impactful. And, and I think the facilitators are just now, you're seeing their true worth in terms of, um, you know, offering one-on-one counseling sessions and really kind of helping us think through 
what the hell did I just experience last night? And how do I not know I'm going insane? Or, you know, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> um, a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, you know, fear. And they're even there at night to hold your hand while you're going through the process if you need them. Um, they're here to offer advice. They're here to empower you. And they're here to give you context. And today, you know, Adam, who um, he's a medical, um, what is it? He's getting his PhD in med medicine culture, I think, medic medicinal culture. And he did a talk later this afternoon, this morning, I should say, that kind of puts it in a bigger picture of, you know, how, to, how, how did ayahuasca grow? And, you know, what's the history about the Amazon and the indigenous people and, and kind of their trauma with, you know, the conquistadors and industrialization in the 1900s uh, and kind of where we are today with sustainability and saving our rainforest. And, you know, I, I'd like to put some words together as well to talk about it because I think it's extremely profound. And I think every single one of us has a job to play now, not just here, but in the world. Like you, you know, watching this, I think we all have a role to play in becoming more balanced and rebalanced in terms of sustainability and um, reciprocity. That's the key word that we're learning in this retreat center is the um, indigenous people of the Amazon believe in recipro reciprocity. It's Ayuni, it's called. I I N E A Y N A Y N I I I N E. And uh, the Quechua people in, in the Andes Mountains also believe in that. It's um, we're here to give and we're here to take, but we're doing it with purpose and with duty. And that's the one thing I was struggling with these past kind of few days is why are the maestros and the maestros really like going all out? for my benefit. They don't know me. I'm this Western person. You know, I was behaving in kind of a, you know, selfish way. Like I'm here to take videos. I'm here to like, you know, experience this. I'm here to travel. I'm here to, you know, test this out and, and experience, you know, ayahuasca and learn everything about the mysteries of the universe. You know, it was very kind of superficial. And and that's okay, because that's part of the process. Like you break down to, to build back up again. And, you know, part of that was, you know, why are the maestros really kind of you know, this is this is takes a toll on them. And and then on top of that, they're up and they're giving us plant remedies and they're giving us massages yesterday, um, energetic work that they're doing for the ailments that we talked about, um, physical ailments. You know, they're really dedicating their life to 23 of us right now. And they've left their homes for two months at a time. And I just couldn't kind of wrap my head around it because in the Western world, it's like dog eat dog. It's, you know, zero sum, it's, you know, I give so I can take, you know, it's, it's a job and, and in return I'm getting something for me, it's selfish. But last night made me realize that these maestros and maestros are just, they're invaluable, invaluable, it's too, it's too light of a word. They're, they are the, the conduit between the spirit the oneness, Mama Ayahuasca herself, who's not the spirit, she's a spirit entity from the plants, but she's a powerful spirit, and, um, and us, and the material world, and even the Western world, us Westerners, right? Like, they're doing a duty right now, and it's a calling, and I get it now, I got it, because um, we needed them last night, and when they sing their ikros, their songs, that they sing in the ceremony, um, it's the plant vibrations. So, 
you know, when they become shamans early, early in life, it's a calling. And, you know, I want Adam to really go into detail about this. And, and I need to collect my thoughts as well, because he gave us a lot of information today about the way that the, the Amazonian people just over time believe in the world and how it's very fundamentally different the way versus the way we believe in a world, you know, here in New York City, where I live or wherever in the Western world that, um, that, you know, those that um, can hear voices, for instance, that have audio, what is it, audio and clairvoyance, the clairvoyance through audio, like through hearing, you know, this is where the spirituality, these, these kind of like psychicness, the psychic, psychic abilities and, and um, like mediumship and talking to those have, who have passed loved ones and, you know, different skills, I guess, or um, powers or um, gifts that we humans all have. We humans all have it. And 2020 is an era where we're waking up to it. I am. I'm waking up every time I lose my job and I'm in this kind of period of finding new work, which I'm in currently, my spiritual gifts strengthen significantly. And I'm on this journey of growth, you know, past life regression, you know, participation I'm in and reading and reading and reading as much as I can about all this that, you know, others have experienced. And, you know, the coincidences upon coincidences and, you know, they're just to me, like I call them fun party tricks, but, you know, the, there's so many coincidences that got me physically to sit in this chair right now and talk to you. Um, it's all part of a bigger, 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 bigger picture that's the oneness the universe the god entity it, you know we are all part of it we are a manifestation of the oneness and the ego makes us individual and what we do with mama ayahuasca and again if you watch my past video literally 24 hours ago i'm now like kind of combative and saying ah oh, it's just a drug it feels it felt like a drug trip last night i asked mama ayahuasca to show me who she is and last night I asked Mama Hayawaska to show me why she brought me here. And I was very insistent the entire time under her spell, spell's the wrong word, under her loving embrace, I kept insisting, show me why I'm here. Why am I here? What am I doing here? Well, Mama Hayawaska showed me and I'm now 99% sure, there's still that 1% because we still have four more ceremonies to go. Um, and there's so much more that's going to happen and every person's experience is different. And every time you take ayahuasca, it's a completely new experience for that person too. So there's people who have taken it a hundred times and still have not re relived the same thing. So, um, you have no idea what's going to happen when you get in on these ceremonies. And that's why the maestros are so important because they're there to help you. They usher in the songs. And what I was trying to say, I was getting to, and I kind of went off tangent here is that, you know, in their, their societies, their cultures, you know, they believe that their practice here is a calling. And if you have these gifts where you can, you know, have this extrasensory perception from hearing or your connection to, in this case, plants, like some people just have a natural connection to plant energies and some people have natural connections to animals like you know these psychics that can talk to animals and some people have natural connections to you know rivers and mountains and um 
other sort of beings, you know, sentient beings is what we learned today, that the, the, the power of reciprocity is that all sentient beings, not humans, but in, in addition to humans, not just humans, as you say, but in addition to humans, it's like um, anything that's alive, anything that has consciousness, plants, rivers, rain, the sky, you know, the wind. I mean, and this, this goes back to like Native American principles, like the energies of the wind, you know. So what, what these shamans do is they go off and to like the, to the rainforest and they isolate and they listen and they learn and they, they learn from the plants if there's a calling for them. And they learn and they, from the plants, they, um, they get these songs, the vibrations. These ikaros are the songs of the plants. And I've said this multiple times, but now it, like it's hitting home again. And this is why ayahuasca is so important because the more you get into this, the more the teachings just kind of continue to evolve and they the facilitators keep saying that you know you'll still learn from like um years later uh, from these experiences so that's kind of like where i am trying to kind of be more open and, and aware of kind of what's going on here um we'll, we'll find out And so, um, so yeah, so the uh, Ikros, they sing, they sing um, the songs of the plants. And every time they sing to you directly, when you, you know, sit up and you receive the Ikros. And as I mentioned, it was those wavy lines that were part of those designs of the bag that I purchased. Um, when you see the Ikros, when you feel them, the magic starts to work. Ayahuasca's magic starts to work. And that's when you start to go into, well, I find anyway, the trance. Um, and everyone's different. Like some people have uh, multiple scenes of the past, like a TV reel going through their mind. In my case last night, and I'll get to this now, third ceremony. And, you know, there's not much to really talk about because I'm really confused. But at the same time, it was maybe more profound than the other two so far. Um, I asked Mama Hayahuasca to show me who she is. And show me she did. <laughs> I, um, I didn't start feeling the effects of Ayahuasca right away, just like the night before, or the ceremony before, and I asked actually for a booster. And luckily this time I didn't throw up the first um, dose of Ayahuasca right away like I did last time. Um, that ceremony too was more that demonic kind of purging, getting rid of like this I call it the bratty energy. I was this very childish emotions that were kind of coming out of me. And I was, you know, being disrespectful to the um, maestros. And I say disrespectful, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't, you know, insulting them. But, you know, I think in my, in my experience, to me, I wasn't taking this sacred experience for the full value it is. And, you know, very impatient, hurry up, hurry up, come on. I want that, I want, you know, Ceremony number one's experience again, where I'm flying around and everything was just joyous and happy. I'm getting all these great wisdoms and I understand the universe and why do I need to take more? You know, let me repeat that again and, and it didn't work. Um, so when, when Richard, the maestro, came to me last ceremony, when we went, when they went, they go around the Maloka circle, um, I mentioned before he got up, he smoked a cigarette, he left the Maloka 
and he walked to the bathroom and I'm like what the hell like and I wasn't even like under the spell I shouldn't say spell I wasn't under the effect of mama ayahuasca at that point I was still kind of sober if sober is the right word lucid and just how I am now um and I was just impatient hurry up what was why are you going to the bathroom like let's 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 do this I want that euphoric experience again hurry up and that's obviously very disrespectful that's just you know it's the purge. It's I'm purging these low base, low level kind of low vibrational energies that, you know, belong in this material world here. Um, when Richard came around again yesterday, I was like, okay, nothing's working. I took two shots of it. I took the original one and the booster and I haven't purged. So, okay, what's going on? Nothing's working. And so I thought, okay, well, I was even told by a facilitator I was really loud the night before because I, you know, purging my anger, purging my, like, you know, brattiness. And, um, I mean, it wasn't that bad. People were laughing, actually. It was, you know, again, when we talk about this post-ceremony, um, <laughs> everyone's very supportive, and it, it wasn't that bad. But, you know, they said, if you're taking more, we don't want you to have outbursts and, you know, disrupting others. And so I kind of sat back and thought about it. I was like, well, I get it. That's fine. That's fine. That's um, good feedback, I suppose. But I was like, there must be something else. Like the maestros must have been talking too because I was not being respectful, so to speak. So um, I thought to myself as Richard is beginning his, um, should be Icaros, I said, you know what? I'm, I apologize in my head. I'm, I'm apologizing for my brattiness. You know, I'm purging these low-level energies. I recognize what's happening. I'm respecting this process. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the efforts you're going through. I appreciate you helping me. I understand that this is not a zero-sum relationship. I'm not just taking from you. You know, there's a reciprocity here. And I appreciate what you're doing, and I'm here to learn, and I'm here to surrender. I'm here to um, just kind of see what's in store and what, what, I, what my my lessons are and what my mission should be. I'm here, to, I'm open, right? Magic takes guts and I'm here. And his Ikros came and went and again, nothing. But then Benito came, the Anaconda man, who I'm always still a little nervous about because I have a fear of snakes and maybe he's gonna bring in the demon that is the Anaconda in my visions. But when Benito finished his Ikros, I put my head down and that's when Mama Hiawaska came. And let's talk about this because um, this experience was not a drug trip. I'll say that again. This experience was not a drug trip. This was a being that is intelligent, that is compassionate, that is alive, and is here to help us when we're willing. And I just got goosebumps. Um, she's beautiful. Mama Ayahuasca is a spirit energy that lives in the ayahuasca vine that started growing in the 1900s, apparently, when the Industrial Revolution started to really go overboard, especially in the Amazon rainforest. And Adam was talking about how the indigenous folks here in the, rain, in the Amazon, in the Peruvian area, in Iquitos in particular, you know, because of the rubber trade, were enslaved. Missionaries were coming in and you know if they couldn't get converted to Christianity they were thought to be animalistic and maybe possibly non-human 
and demonic possibly, and they were sold as slaves apparently. So again, let's get some more clarity on this, but generally speaking, the indigenous folks were enslaved, those that weren't evangelicized, and they were meant to work in the rubber industry to extract the rubber plants for the good the Goodyear, uh, Charles Goodyear and the, those industrialists. And um, ayahuasca started growing. And then he was saying, Adam, today that the slaves from, you know, the African nations and those here kind of commingled. And in this event, this time of severe trauma that they were enduring, um, you know, they had their um, plant spirits, both in African culture and here, and they kind of commingled it and like voodoo in Haiti. And, and this is partly why I'm like, this is a bigger story here because my Morocco trip is dovetailing perfectly into this trip, is dovetailing perfectly in the Bolivia trip coming up. And, you know, Peggy, who um, is the bachelorette that we celebrated in Morocco, she was my roommate during this time and she's Haitian by descent. And we spent a lot of time after, you know, our day was done in the room, in the hotel, talking about you know, the slaves of the past, like in New Orleans and in the Caribbean, who were so traumatized by being enslaved that they, re they resorted to voodooism and they used it for what it was for their purposes to cope. And that's how the saying, that's how the, the idea goes that the ayahuasca vine started growing in the 1900s and were, it was discovered by man in this time. And now it's like, it's scarce apparently because it needs to take seven to ten years to grow and we're cutting it down really at a rapid pace um, so they're here at this retreat center doing a sustainable practice on growing ayahuasca and we're going to go through a permaculture tour so hopefully i'll take a video and show you what that's about uh so yeah so um ayahuasca started growing and you know it's also kind of interesting because now we have this mushroom you know joe rogan talks about psychocillian um and dmt a lot of people, a lot of thought leaders, a lot of influencers, you know, just society here in the United States is becoming more and more open to marijuana and to um, mushrooms. You know, it's the next thing that's going to get legalized. And, you know, with um, there's a lot of universities doing studies, Johns Hopkins, Harvard, they're really now beginning to look into this about these natural remedies for post-traumatic stress disorder with soldiers um, coming back from war, um, depression, loneliness you know, our disconnect with the, with nature, our, our inability to kind of have a balanced work life, our lack of community, our um, disruption of the environment has massive, massive lasting impact across the world. And the destruction of the rainforest is pretty significant. And again, I'll leave Adam to say a lot of those words. But one thing I didn't realize is that the rainforest, this Amazon jungle sits on a desert. And um, the, the soil is not very fertile. So the minute you rip out the rainforest, like they're doing in um, Brazil, to clear land for cows and pastures, which by the way, in Ceremony One, they, Mama Ayahuasca told me no red meat, just chicken and fish, no red meat, no cows. And so, um, you know, the more and more they're clearing these rainforests in Brazil, to make room for cows, the more that um, 
and, and for agriculture really, you know, you only are gonna get a few turns of crops before it becomes very uh, fallow, the, the, the land, it's not fertile. Like, check it out, look. Look how like sandy this is. This is like beach sand. This isn't really like, you know, soil, right? It's sand. And so the Amazon jungle sits on, all right, let's see if I can get this repositioned here. <laughs> Bear with me one second. I think this is the right, yeah, it worked. All right, the Amazon rainforest sits on a desert land. And so the more we're clearing this, the harder it is to actually grow crops, like row crops. And what I find really interesting is, like I said, why are we all here? You know, there's all these people kind of brought together from around the world. We have two people here who are permaculturists or studying permaculture. One is getting her PhD in the UK and the other is a fireman who just wants to take permaculture courses, is very interested in it. He's also in the UK. Um, so, I think they're gonna come away with this and really realize like, how do I bridge what I've learned in the Amazon rainforest, just being immersed in this, understanding the power of these plants, you know, how do I kind of bring it all together for the rest of the world to see or to learn or, and in my case, like how do I convey this to a mass audience? How do I, um, how do I use this for my next job opportunities like do I start an NGO do I do a reverse NGO that was one of my ideas that you know rather than bringing NGOs here to like help you know revitalize communities within the Amazon maybe we need to take the the wisdoms we learn here and reverse that NGO to like America and capitalist societies and all this and mind you right I'm a capitalist <laughs> I worked on Wall Street for 10 years I was an investment banker I studied um, engineering. Um, I got my MBA. Um, I worked for three, you know, four Fortune uh, Global 500 companies. Um, I believe in capitalism. I, you know, in theory, I'm a Republican in theory um, because I believe in um, a capitalist way. But maybe there's a way I can translate my past experiences and my careers and my, you know understanding of you know what it's like to live in New York for instance and you know social progress and social change but also environmental change because like since I was a freshman in college in 1998 now you can do the math um, I wanted to hug trees I'm a tree hugging capitalist and so you know how do I go from um, you know what I've learned from the early, late 90s where renewable energy wasn't even a thing where sustainability greenhouse you know greenhouse effect, all that was just like a new kind of a budding term that, you know, nobody really knew a lot about into like a career that I have worked in the renewable energy industry. I've worked in the investment side. I've worked in the development side. Um, I'm currently interviewing for other jobs in the renewable space. So, you know, how do I take this knowledge I'm learning here in the Amazon with these wonderful people I'm spending an enormous amount of time with and just really bonding, I think, to a very, very core sense. And how do I move that forward? How do we all move? How do I encourage you to do what your part in helping balance and have this reciprocity? And um, it's a give and take. And Andrew, who um, I've talked about a lot so far on this, I like him a lot. He's a good guy. He's from Holland. Um, he does design. He's a, he's, his past career is like, you know, industrial design. 
And he's now, he approached the grocery store chain, apparently, in his area. Um, and he's now in charge of design of the grocery store, like a, just the ergonomic industrial design of how people shop for food in a new novel way. And even um, Adam was saying that change is not something we force or we expect governments to just take care of. It's something where if you can introduce something new, then change results as change happens as a result. So by introducing a new way of doing things, it's not as scary for people to like, you know, embrace the change. People will accept it because it's new, novel, different, you know, it's cool, like it, it's useful. And in the case of the grocery store that Andrew's doing, it's, you know, how do you interact with food better? How do you create a community around food at the grocery store? You know, do you have like a restaurant? Do you have a cooking school within the grocery store? Um, do you understand where your food's coming from? Is there a way you can learn about farm to table or pesticides or um, why this banana tastes so much better than that banana, like taste tests or something. You know, it's, it's like, it's an interaction piece. And so that's kind of where this reverse NGO idea I'm coming up with, <laughs> I think, I just came up with it, um, is like, how do we empower us Americans or us capitalists or us, you know, Western people to embody a way of being that they're doing already here in the Amazon. And Andrew was telling me that the Sacred Valley in Peru, the Urubamba region, which I've been to, that's where Oliente Tambo is, and you go through that way to get to Machu Picchu, they um, survive, the upper and lower valleys survive because they trade. And the upper valley can only grow and produce certain types of foods. Um, in the higher regions of the Andes and the lower valley can produce only other certain types of foods and so in order for them to have an abundance of both they come together in the middle and they um, they rely on each other they create a sense of trust and a sense of community and they're in balance it's a reciprocity I give and take so that's kind of the idea it's like how do we embody that sort of idea that practice in a more kind of everyday way in America or in the United or in wherever North America or wherever like and then create community a sense of belonging you know it helps maybe to eradicate loneliness a bit better you know maybe you don't have to work so hard um, now to, to pay bills for things that maybe don't matter um, you know, maybe you don't need that seventh pair of jeans or something because now you know how, how much effort it takes for those jeans to be made in the first place. You know, maybe there's all these things that you start to rethink on your own. And I'm not here to tell you what's right and what's wrong. That's not my job. And I'm not here, again, disclaimer, I'm not here again to tell you that you need to do ayahuasca. That's not what the purpose of this is. Because it's a very, 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 very powerful thing. And you need the maestros, you need the ikaros, you need the setting, you need the facilitators, the therapists, you need the community as a totality of this experience. You're not just gonna do it in Brooklyn, you know, in Greenpoint, okay? Like, don't just do it somewhere in Burning Man. Like, don't pick it up in ikaros as a souvenir. Like take this seriously because it is scaring some people and but in a way where we need to see the light we need to meet our egos are going to die let's put it this way like there could be an instance where I die tonight die my ego goes away I disassociate that's gonna be fucking scary I already felt it last night I was scared and I still haven't gone to what happened last night um and I'll get to it it's traumatizing it, but it also helps to bring up things that have been repressed.
and we need this community to talk it out. And I need to be away from, I can't, I was tempted to call somebody last night and thank God I don't have internet because I would have been like, oh my God, this is what I saw in my vision. This is crazy. I can't believe it. it makes no sense. And then I'm going to scare this person and they're going to be like, what the hell? Like you're tripping balls big time. Um, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to explain this yet to people like, or to anybody or to whoever came in my visions. So let's go. Um, I went, once Benito kind of did his ikros, I went down and slept and Mama Hiawaska came into me, into me. She was in my essence. She was, I mean, she's something that, um, I mean, everyone sees her differently. She's, she's how she manifests. And for me, she was multidimensional, multidimensional. She was a fabric of sorts. She was forest green with little like tiny little pink and green, light green and yellow little sparkles. And it was like a graphic kind of fabric and it had, and it, it also kind of came in like um, a fern spiral, you know, when fern tr plants start to grow, they first curl and then they curl out. Like that's what it was too. It was like these green little curls and it was so, it moved this slowly. You know, very just the slow. And she was consuming me, consuming my whole body. She fixed my back again. I could feel her adjust my back because I kind of misaligned it at yoga. So she crooked it out again. I was like, thank you. But then she was hitting me to here. I remember her coming this close to me, like right here. And I kept saying, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. And I tried to hold my rings and ground myself and say, this is just, this is just a trip or whatever's going on, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then I repeated, magic takes guts from Laughing Lotus. Thank you, Dana Trixie Flynn. Magic takes guts, magic takes guts. Um, and surrender, surrender, I need to surrender, I'm okay. But I was really scared. And I was like, this was the first time I was scared because last time when the demon was in me, I was like, yeah, fuck this shit. I'm not scared of this fucking demon. But like um, this time around, I was scared and I was ready to call the facilitator Adam and say, hey, hold my hand. Um, but I got through it cause she eased up. She, she got as far and respected the fact that I was scared and eased up. But what she did was she purged me and I felt that's when the big massive vomit came out, like to the core of my, you know, diaphragm and in my guts. But also, as I mentioned, I'm on my period and, um, like I just felt like a flow coming out as well. And, and you know, when I woke up, I was like, wait, nothing happened. But in that I got cleansed both directions. <laughs> and then I could feel something come in my belly as if I'm my purpose. She brought me here because I'm supposed to birth something. And to me, I literally thought it was, I need to have a baby. I need to have a baby girl. And I said, well, just one, I want two. And she goes, fine, you could have, a, you could have another one. He'll be a boy, but this is why you're here. I'm calling you here because you need to have this baby. And then I thought, oh, well, I kind of knew what, who this person who was supposed to be the father. And that's where I was like, I need to call him, whatever. But I've been told, hold off. That's not exactly what's happening here. It's not literal. Whatever comes through is not literal. So that was today's wisdom after lunch. It's like, hold your horses. It's not literal, but um, I was seeing images of Park Avenue and New York and I was seeing like my parents and I remember just feeling a, a love for them. I was like, I just love them. I love my brother. I love my parents. And then I saw one vision of my past, you know, when I was young, I got hit by a car when I was two 
and I got rushed to the hospital. I was in the hospital for a week and I could see the ambulance in Coney Island Hospital in Brooklyn. And Mama Hayawaska told me, you were spared, you were saved because you need to give birth to this baby. This is your calling. And I still was confused. I'm like, I don't understand why you called me here. I still don't get it. Why am I here? And that's it is it's to, um, I have to birth something. So well, let's find out what that means. <laughs> but then I came, I woke, I came up out of it. Um, I was very kind of connected to a few people in the room. It felt very kind of serious when we all came out of it. Um, I felt very connected to my neighbor, Marcus. I felt very connected to someone across the room. Um, and I felt very connected to one person who was just kind of standing up and needed a hug. We're not supposed to interact with everyone in the Maloka because, you know, everyone's going through their own thing and we don't want to commingle our energies. So, yeah, so um, I walked away from that. I went back to my cabin just here and I kind of thought a while and I was like, wow, that's my calling. I have to have a baby. Like, okay, this, uh, what happens if I don't want to? Like, and it felt really comfortable to come back to this world. It felt really comfortable to um, ignore this and say, ah, Okay, fine, thanks for the message, but I don't feel comfortable moving forward. I like staying in my own space, in, in how things are. I don't want to embrace change. I just want to be how I am, and I just want to go forward. Um, and after the talk with Adam today about, you know, the Amazon rainforest and the history of the cultures and reciprocity and all this, and seeing the bigger picture, um, I feel like I have no choice but. And I, tonight's ceremony, I'm going to ask, how, show me how I do this. Show me how I get the confidence to reinvent, reimagine, you know, re-energize, revolutionize. Like, how do I bring together all the unique experiences I have as a professional and, and a person and to building something really meaningful for everyone, for all of us, for the world, for, you know, the environment um, and for the plants. Remember, save the plants, protect the plants. Um, oh, yeah, the baby was, yeah. I'll say that part because I don't want to really share that just yet. But um, yeah, and then the other thing that I found really interesting was, again, back to the coincidences. Like, why do everything, why is, what's synchronicity? Why does everything seem like a coincidence? And again, she, just like the lottery ticket where you take the scratch off numbers and I saw behind the foil, she showed me that, um, you know, I, Mathematically, there are no such things as coincidences. I've said this before. I learned this in college when I was in engineering school. Mathematically, coincidences don't exist. It's just mathematically impossible. So she was showing that to me, that like behind the veil, this material world, that what you think are synchronistic things and coincidences, oh, that's so cute. Look how funny that is. And oh, look at these like series of coincidences. Behind it is is like, it's it's like a, it's like a connection, right? Like all these series of events are connected as if it's a vine. To me, it looked like a vine. And then there's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of connected vines that are all twisted and commingled. And you can see the humongous picture behind the scenes that everything is related. And these are not coincidences. This isn't just like, oh, how cute. There's something here. There's a path and a plan. And I asked Adam, I said, okay, well, we talked about like the indigenous kind of um, kind of the destruction of the rainforest over time and like all this bad shit that's been happening and you know we're at a point of a tipping point for our ecosystem and you know what the fuck right like 
what is it? And like, what, what do we do? Like we feel powerless and helpless. And I said, well, I raised my hand. I said, well, aren't we learning that this oneness, this, this consciousness that is oneness, um, isn't everything as perfect as it should be and everything is at the right place at the right time. I mean, that is exactly what this is. We're on the right plan or at the right place at the right time. And there's no such thing as time and we shouldn't be impatient because we're exactly where we need to be at the right moment. So that's the past that that happened, but it was supposed to happen because it's, everything is just predetermined in that respect. You know, what, why does that matter? Like, yeah, it sucks that this happened, but you know, so what? Maybe it was part of the plan, you know, of a bigger thing, a bigger kind of evolution, revolution that's happening. And he said, well, we still have personal responsibility and we still can't just sit back idly and just let the plan happen and unfold. It's up to us because we're all vessels of this consciousness. We are part of the consciousness. And that's why ego is important because the ego makes it ours. We identify as it as mine. This is my duty, my responsibility, my calling. This is who I am. This is where I get satisf satisfaction. This is where I need to do my part in the bigger picture. So that's why the ego can be important in this respect, because we need to have both. It's a duality. Like we have to lose the ego to understand the oneness and to have unconditional un, um, faith to this oneness, this compassionate being that is the universe, that is God, that is anything, this omnipresent, you know, motion that I happen to see, you know, ceremony one. But we also are individuals on purpose because we're help, we're ha we have to do our part to do the change and to um, be in balance and to have reciprocity and to respect the spirits and the consciousness of everything around us and to be just better more mindful of everything we do. That's it. That's all I have. Um, I think there's more to do, but, um, and this will always be an ever evolving thing. And again, disclaimer, don't do this on your own. I would, if you feel like this is your calling, only if, if you feel this is your calling for reasons, you know, um, then let's explore it. But, um, be very careful. This stuff is, can be very fucking scary or it may not work. Let's put it that way. It may not work because you don't have the e-gross. You may take it. You may see like, you know, oh, okay, fine. Like it's tripping like, you know, mushrooms and shit, but like it may not work. So you're wasting your time on a scarce resource because we basically are cutting down all these vines and it's not growing fast enough. So, um, and apparently it's all going to Brooklyn, as I mentioned, or New York. Um, but on that note, let's, Let's kind of keep going with this. Come follow me on, you know, number four. Uh, it's four o'clock now. So um, in about four hours, I'm going to be uh, working with ayahuasca again. Not taking it. I'm working with her. My intentions are to help, help show me how to, whatever my calling is about birthing something, whatever this message was last night, show me how I do it. Show me the steps, my blueprint that I need to take. Show me the confidence I'll need to do this without any sort of um, hesitation or insecurity. Show me um, undying faith, unquestionable faith. I still don't have it. It's still like, what the fuck? And in, partly why I don't have it is because 
last night when I got scared, I retreated back to this material world. I said, I want to come back. I want to come back here. I want to stay here. This is comfortable. This is familiar. I know it. I don't want to go any further. So that's where you need the, un that's where you need the faith. And that's, I think where now religion makes sense to me and where, um, you know, all these religions are basically saying the same thing in more or less terms. And, um, it's about finding your inner self. It's about knowing that the power is within through this oneness and it's, um, it's having faith and reciprocity, treating one another, um, well and yourself well and the earth well and <sighs> the bug. So there's no coincidences. That butterfly that's flying, maybe it's something. <laughs> maybe it's a sign. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. This is Emboldened Adventures. Sarah here, signing off, but uh, we'll talk uh, we'll talk again soon. Bye.